Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have got a wonderful episode for you today. First, we're going to cover the news of the week. Got a few items from our governor, uh, as well as forever pollution issues, which are plaguing the Ohio River, uh, and what can be done about those forever pollution issues. Uh, then we're going to be joined by the 2022 Teacher of the Year uh, from Mount Sterling, Willie Carver Jr. Uh, we're going to talk with him about th how things are in schools right now, his work on campus, including uh, starting the first Gay Straight Alliance. Uh, in Montgomery County. Uh, and then finally, we're going to wrap up with our call to action and our events calendar. But first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? We know our Commonwealth has some work to do if we're going to beat back the tide of bad politics and policy from Frankfurt, from corrupt corporate handouts to efforts to end vaccine or mask mandates. We need help to stand effectively against the GOP super duper majority. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. It's easy. Just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you spend time on social media. Just make sure to like, share, and comment on our content. If you like what you're hearing on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up. You can do it right now. If you're watching the show, give us a thumbs up. Uh, leave us a review. Share out the show. Do everything you can to help share uh, share the good news, <laughs> the Kernels of Truth. Uh, all right, so we are going to check in with tonight's uh, introductory co-host. We might be joined by another co-host later, uh, and, but we're going to let you know who we are, where we are, and what our protest sign says this evening. Because, folks, as you know, this is not the Rachel Maddow show. We're not a bunch of talking heads on the internet. It's a digital demonstration for a better Kentucky, for a better Commonwealth. So don't show up to the protest without a protest sign. What's your protest sign say? You can put it in the chat. Uh, put it in the comments, and if it's a good one, we can even show it on the share it on the screen because we now have the technology to do that that crazy stuff. So, uh, I'm Aaron. I am uh, coming to you from Childsburg, a lovely community, uh, very close to the urban growth boundary in Lexington. Uh, and my sign says, "The kids are all right. It's the parents I'm worried about." Uh, and that's my sign for tonight. In keeping with the fact we'll be talking to Willie Carver, Kentucky Teacher of the Year 2022 in just a few. Uh, Nate, you there? I'm a little bit late, but hopefully loud and clear. And uh, I did I have to say I did like that uh, sign. That's, uh, and of course, you know what you're talking about since you are yourself are a parent. <laughs> you got a couple kids running around and they're mostly OK. Uh, hopefully you won't see any of them tonight, but who knows? You never know. <laughs> The, the vagaries of uh, excitement of live broadcasting. So, hey, folks, this is Nate Orishan coming live and direct from uh, Kitchen, my home here in lovely South Frankfurt uh, in Franklin County. And tonight, I guess it's a little bit of a long sign, but, you know, a, a strong sign. Uh, only a treason weasel doesn't pay government debt that he created. Mitch, please. So, obviously, you know, debt nice. ceiling. Come on, Senator McConnell, get on the side with the angels. <laughs> the angels, they wouldn't know. You know, if he tried to get on the side of the angels, they they wouldn't be having it. That's my that's my hunch. I don't. It wouldn't think last very long. Like, no, no, you stay there, buddy. We know what you're up to. 
just kidding. It would be great if he did the right thing. So, of course, uh, you know, a lot of things he's messing around with. Oh, look at that. Uh, Janie's got a sign. Her says, sign says, boycott Facebook, just not on Wednesdays from 7 to 8 p.m. Yeah, it is unfortunate that this horrible corporation has become the town square. It is really <laughs> problematic. Uh, if you want to get to YouTube, we're also live streaming on YouTube and Facebook right now. So pick your poison because literally they're both poison. And if you, you know, if you just follow, <laughs> if you follow the links, they suggest 25 clicks, you will be a white supremacist. So, or something like that. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing about white supremacy? It's not funny I, stuff. I was, uh, I was wondering what my problem was, you know, after half an hour <laughs> on YouTube and suddenly I'm, you know, I'm on eBay looking for old swastikas and stuff. It all makes sense now. It's the Ooh. algorithms, damn it. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the news of the week because we had some you know some interesting stuff happen this week. Uh, first one I'm going to cover is what is going on with our governor. The big news uh, of this past week is that he's following up his enormous Ford SK battery plant announcement with the news that he is officially running for re-election. He has filed the paperwork. He's gonna go it again, uh, and you know. That's uh, God willing, we will have another term of uh, Andy Bashir at the helm of our Commonwealth. Uh, that said, <laughs> yeah, you know, we get look this the Ford announcement. We mentioned it before. It is it is enormous. It is it is the largest you know kind of single investment in our state that we've seen. This it tops the Toyota announcement, which everyone talks about how that just you know changed the state. The other thing that I will say about Toyota v Ford. You know, Ford is way friendlier to labor uh, than Toyota is. If you've talked to people that work out in Toyota at the Toyota world, you know, they're not unionized. Most of them are temps like their long term jobs are managed through a temp agency. So Toyota doesn't actually have to give them uh, the standard benefits for their actual employees. It's really uh, a bit of a train wreck in terms of labor rights. So I'm very hopeful that whatever happens there and, uh, you know, in that area, um, that you know that it is uh, it is kind of a labor boon. Uh, we know it'll be a lot of jobs. We know there'll be you know good paying jobs for sure, but there'll be better paying jobs with unionized jobs. So that's one thing that we're looking for. The other thing I'm going to look for in this Ford uh, Ford uh, announcement is just you know I'm pretty sure there's some folks in the governor's administration who are splurging for some extra pricey champagne for that Ford news. I don't know if folks saw it, but Linda Blackford in the Herald Leader covered the story of Larry Hayes. Larry Hayes is the interim economic development chair for the governor. Uh, and he has some property investments just down the road from the Blue Oval SK battery plants in Glendale, Kentucky. Uh, he owns eight undeveloped acres as well as some tracked housing that he and a partner built. Uh, his partner is actually former uh, you know, Secretary of Transportation, so a couple of government insiders, successful businessmen, uh, and Hayes has owned that land for quite a while, well before Ford was ever considering building battery plants, right? Uh, but Hayes was the economic development chair under Steve Bashir, uh, and that administration purchased the land around the same time the state uh, uh, planned uh, a, uh, it was going after a Hyundai plant. So, this is, you know, that Hyundai plant didn't happen. So the land stood vacant. The states owned it for quite a while, you know, offering it up for other uh, economic development opportunities. Uh, but this is not a good look for Hayes, right? Uh, and it's not a good look for Andy 
who I think rather enjoys his kind of semi-dorky, squeaky clean image. And that's what I want for my governor. I want a squeaky clean, you know, beyond reproach, no hint of corruption, because, you know, if there's a hint of corruption, the right wing nut jobs in our state will make it, you know, you know, like it's true. He's corrupt. Right. That's what they will do. But I'm very concerned that this Hayes thing doesn't really look good. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we would uh, we would like to see uh, addressed, really. So, uh, you know, one thing that Linda Blackford does mention in this story or in this her column writing this up, she mentions that, you know, it's also bad, you know, uh, which is never, you know, when you're comparing bad on either sides of the aisle, that's not a good look for anyone. Uh, but, you know, the the former governor, uh, his economic development chair is now the head, the CEO of the new aluminum industry. I think Unity Aluminum is what they're calling it. So that failed you know, Russian uh, project there where Russian investments were made uh, to match state investments in aluminum plant, uh, you know, the, the, the folks who Matt Bevin's uh, administration that, you know, thought that was a great idea. That guy is now the CEO of the company. So, you know, if we're ranking corruption, that seems worse uh, than an eight acre uh, investment. That's probably gonna get more valuable because of Ford. Uh, uh, but what I will say is that, you know, not a good look should should be addressed. I hope that uh, Andy does. If the guy's the interim economic development chair, maybe we could just get a, a new one who doesn't own any land close to any, uh, you know, potential economic development sites. Anyway, uh, news. Uh, one element of Andy's big announcement, though, that he's running for re-election. He brought in some new leadership at the KDP um, and a friend of the show. In fact, our second ever guest back when we called this show Moscow Mitch Monday. Mary Nishkamuda, who's been the executive director with KDP, she has returned to the private sector after four plus years of leading the staff over there at the KDP. She took the party through a successful governor's campaign, clearly. Uh, she, you know, uh, was not really at the helm of, you know, the, 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 the Senate race uh, that was less successful. Uh, but she did, uh, I think, a great job in a very challenging, but ultimately, uh, helpful reorganization process to elect new uh, party leadership from the grassroots precinct level on up. So I think kudos to Mary for her work. Uh, the new ED is the governor's former deputy press secretary, Sebastian Kitchen. Uh, he is a former reporter. Uh, he was the former comms person for Julian Castro's White House run. He was comms for Bill Nelson's campaign in Florida uh, and Doug Jones' campaign in Alabama. So I'm not, you know, whoever's can't like through three losing races in a row there. Uh, although I guess he worked with Doug Jones and Doug Jones won that uh, that crazy runoff against the, the judge, uh, but could not hold on to the seat there. Anyway, you know, that's kind of what's going on in Bashir world right now. Uh, some amazing highs, some nagging questions uh, and a shakeup there in the entity that's going to uh, help uh, run his campaign, which, of course, you know, it's, it's a little ways off. Uh, but uh, but we'll obviously be watching it very closely. Nate, what do you think about that mix of news? That mix of news, uh, you know, something borrowed, something blue. No, you know, about the whole, uh, uh, it's tough. Because, you know, you always, you always want to see progressive politicians that you support. You want them to conduct themselves beyond reproach, right? Uh, and yet... Politics and political service being what it is, you know, it's almost inevitable 
then any governor uh, is going to have some problematic people is serving in the executive branch. Uh, and that's what Larry Hayes is as far as this, uh, this apparent conflict of interest uh, over holding property that's just, you know, a stone's throw away from this new Hardin County battery plant that's supposed to be built. Um, and I'm a fan of Governor Bashir. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to keep hoping that the net positives of his first term in office, including, you know, vigorous and ethical attempts to keep us all safer during the first year of the pandemic. This year has been a bit of a wash. Thanks to the, no thanks to the legislature. Uh, and, and now this new uh, mega project coming online in the near future. I hope that all his positive leadership um, will be tough enough to counter uh, the slew of bad faith attacks that are uh, being launched against him now and are just going to get stronger and stronger um, as we get closer to Election Day, which is, you know, two years away. So we have some time. But, you know, um, I, I worry that uh, even something bad like this uh, could could resonate long term. So. So, yeah, I think we're, we're you know. That. I think we're goldfish in a fishbowl. Generally, I don't think anyone's going to remember this. Uh, they will try to make some hay of it, likely. But again, I think you know it's just one of those things that people who are paying attention can get a little, you know, a little disillusioned, and that's not what you want. Because the people who are paying attention, you know, those folks you want, you know, in the trenches for you when push comes to shove. And in two years, there'll be a lot of shoving for sure. Uh, and I, you know, I think. <laughs> uh, I think that you know Larry Hayes is. I'm sure he's a great guy. You know, he's just one of those guys. I'm sure there wasn't like thumb on the scales, right? This is like a tract of land they've been working to get uh, a big economic development project uh, right. cited into for decades. And I'm glad they landed it now. I'm glad they landed it in the, you know, the EV industry space, because I, you know, as folks know, I'm a huge proponent uh, for that transition from internal combustion engines to EVs. Uh, and this is, you know, a there's no downside to this, right? This is an amazing opportunity for our state. I will say this. I pay play, pay pretty close attention to Michigan politics as well, uh, even though I'm a Kentucky voter. And they are pissed. <laughs> uh, folks in Michigan are pissed they did not land these two battery plants uh, or the big campus in Tennessee. So uh, yes. just just so you know, folks, uh, there's it's you know, it's. Sometimes it's a bit zero sum uh, when when auto industry investments are made and Michigan is not thrilled about, you know, sharing the wealth. Uh, but uh, but I'm excited about what it means for the future, of our in, uh, the industry, and what it really means for the future of our planet. Like, let's be honest, you know, if we don't ship to EVs in a ma massive scale and quickly, you know, the kids, you know, my kids, you know, jumping on the trampoline in the backyard, you know, what are they going to see when they're having kids? Uh, you know, things aren't good now. Uh, the trends are bad. We need to see massive leadership to make, uh, you know, the pushback against science-based vaccines has been horrible. Uh, all it takes is us like rolling up our sleeves and getting a shot and our nation couldn't come together around that. The idea, the idea that we can come together around the massive challenges of climate change. I mean, we can't just follow along. We can't follow along, you know, let corporations do the work. Uh, we need to, you know, be, we need to have the policy to force the corporations to do the right thing because not every corporation sees the, you know, the, the clean energy boon as worth the energy, uh, their energy and their divestment of existing kind of product lines and the status quo for their industry. So, I mean, that's one thing if we want to, like, I'm not knocking governor Bashir, you know, for having a guy in his cabinet, that it's been around forever. I think this is something that should have been flagged. It should have been dealt with beforehand. He should have sold the land. 
but uh, what I will knock <laughs> Governor Bashir for <laughs> is that he's nowhere on climate change. You know, he he thinks like economic activity is the only. He's like he's gonna, I'm sure, tout this as his massive, you know, climate change victories that we've got a battery plant in Kentucky. Which you know, we don't. We still aren't doing anything to control uh, emissions. We aren't doing anything to you know, as a state, incentivize uh, the actual transition to EVs. We're more than happy to build them here, but they're all going to be sold in California unless we change the rules about, you know, how we're deploying the technology. So, you know, uh, that's my one dig on on Governor Bashir's. I'd like to see a lot more leadership on climate change because really without that one getting right, there's nothing that matters. Uh, so anyway, I've I've rambled on too much. Uh, really, <laughs> I've been filibustering in the hopes that uh, our wayward <laughs> co-host will show up. But I think what this means, Nate, is I'm going to need to go on. Uh, if, you know, somebody, somebody yeah. in our crew is going to need to talk about story two. That would be me. That would you be going to do it. Yeah, right. well, it is funny too because you know um, we're we're starting off with a story about this new economic development, uh, an industrial site, a huge one, but we're we're ending up our news of the week with a story about sort of the the sort of the bad things that can happen from um, industrialization, especially if. Um, you know, people aren't paying attention to uh, public safety. So this is about um, a class of chemicals, per, per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, PFAS, PFASs, are uh, this class of contaminants, and they're known as forever chemicals. Why? Well, they just don't break down in, in nature. Uh, and it's uh, this family of thousands of compounds that are used in this diverse range of products. Uh, you, you've probably got some in your house right now. You can find them on nonstick pans, uh, firefighting foam, waterproof coatings, anybody, even fast food wrappers. Who's had fast food in the past week? So uh, the problem with these is that they're being increasingly linked to birth defects and uh, cancers like uh, kidney cancer and testicular cancer, um, even damage to the liver damage to the immune system, the thyroid gland. And this is all according to the EPA, the federal EPA, U.S. EPA. So to bring this all back to our home here in Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky Division of Water confirmed uh, just two years ago, 2019, the study called the Evaluation of Kentucky Community Drinking Water in Per and Polyfluoroalkyl Substances. It's a mouthful. Uh, they confirmed that there was presence of these chemicals in, in the 41 out of 81 water treatment plants across the straight state. But so far, little action has been taken. Uh, now, there is uh, some money in, in uh, President Biden's budget for the EPA, uh, and they had a line item for uh, $75 million for toxicity studies for uh, PFASs. And uh, the Ohio River Valley Water Sanitation Commission is working to do more testing for uh, PFASs. I think I'm not pronouncing that correctly, PFASs. I'm going to call them PFASs from here on out. Well, to make it even more local, uh, um, let's take a look at Henderson, Kentucky, way over on the western side of the state. So this past August, uh, WKU reported that, quote, high levels of PFAS chemicals have contaminated a plastics recycling company in Henderson, Kentucky, which, again, western Kentucky, uh, spreading through the air and water and likely contaminating a creek that flows into where? The Ohio River. Uh, they go on to say that uh, the company, Shamrock Technologies Incorporated, notified state regulators about the problem after hiring a consultant to screen for the pollution three years ago. Uh, you know, the, Shamrock is just the most recent discovery of PFAS. They've also been found in Louisville's drinking water, 
Uh, they've been found in, you know, over, as we said, in over half the water systems that have been tested. Uh, so it's, it's one of these sad things that uh, there's just inadequate regulation. You know, I, I took a look at the federal EPA's own fact sheet about their uh, health advisories for uh, two kinds of PFAS, uh, PFOA and PFOS in uh, drinking water. And the good news, such as it is, is that EPA says that some of these uh, PFAS sources have been voluntarily phasing out production. But the emphasis here is on the word voluntarily, i.e., there doesn't seem to be much except the occasional bout of conscience or desire for better PR on the part of these manufacturers and industrial users of PFAS chemicals to, to make them curb their use or, or clean up after themselves. And often there's uh, apparently nothing more on the federal level other than the stern, uh, we really don't think you should be using these chemicals. So shouldn't the Kentucky EPA be stepping up here? Well, yes. <laughs> as, as we like to say, uh, jump if you're feeling froggy, uh, especially if it's due to that frog having a leg tumor from exposure to too many carcinogenic chemicals. So... Now that we're all sufficiently scared, let's go out and uh, get the Bashir administration to uh, step up <laughs> some action on uh, PFASs. What do you think, Aaron? Does this ring I'm, with you? I'm just going to have myself a little little water here and <laughs> think about it a little <laughs> bit more closely. Straight from the top. Um, you know what? Actually, maybe maybe I'm just going to move right to this. I, I like my water treated. Uh, it has got all sorts of treatments. So yeah. what I wanted to say here is that I, I do think this gets to, you know, state enforcement for sure. I think clearly under the Trump administration, there was zero appetite for doing the right thing for the environment. So, they were, you know, enforcement was way down under Trump. The budgets were slashed. You know, now things are coming back. We heard the Biden administration put some money in specifically to look at some of these things. But, yeah, we do need to see better, uh, you know, more proactive steps taken. They don't have a good lower threshold like you know the, the limits right now are too high everyone you know all the serious researchers researchers think that the limits are too high for these uh chemicals uh and other you know other folks are actually treating for them if you look right across the river cincinnati doesn't actually has cincinnati has additional treatment this kind of you know um i think i i'm i'm struggling to come up with the the, the term for it uh it's kind of no it's like activated charcoal it's like kind of simple right oh, wow. uh so but it takes this stuff out um you know maybe not gen x which is another pfas but you know what we do know is that the, the the industries are responsible for it it's not something that's naturally occurring uh we need to crack down on those industries as you noted nate a kind of vague at some point we will transition our goal is to transition away from the corporations is worth nothing you need to put some rules and regs on them and uh you know that takes political appetite to pick fights with some of these uh industries which politicians rarely have the political appetite to pick fights with industries because you know jobs and campaign cash but uh, thanks for sharing that story. It's a really important one. I'm glad we covered it. I did want to also just touch base on a story that we'd mentioned last week. It was kind of our one of our big stories. Was uh, and, you know, and Nate mentioned it earlier uh, in his sign. So Mitch McConnell uh, and his just incredibly rec reckless efforts to filibuster uh, Democratic efforts to increase the debt ceiling. Uh, it seems like things are heading in the right direction. Uh, I think Mitch uh, had acknowledged that maybe he would do a two month extension of the debt limit. Cause you know, you know what we know about Mitch is he really likes 
holiday government shutdowns. He thinks everyone should celebrate the holidays by not having a paycheck or, you know, the VA shouldn't, folks from the VA, rely on the VA, shouldn't get their medicine uh, or, you know, social security folks shouldn't get their checks. So apparently that's what, what Mitch really wants is a, a, is a very Scrooge-like Christmas. You know, not the, not the Scrooge at the end of the, of the story, but the early Scrooge. Um, but what I do know is that that indication, that kind of blink, uh, is a clear sign that, you know, he's getting, uh, you know, starting to get some pressure. Maybe the billionaires who have his phone number on speed dial are like, hey, we can't tank the economy, jerk. Um, but what I also do know is that that didn't happen until Schumer and friends, you know, majority leader Chuck Schumer uh, started talking about filibustering or uh, filibuster reform. So that's really, uh, I think, important, you know, that kind of nuclear option, which, you know, it's hard to get Manchin to go along with it, but I think for something as like clearly specific and critical as the debt ceiling, they'd be fools not to. So, uh, and it's in my eyes, that's the camel's nose under the uh, filibuster reform tent uh, is getting in for something like that. And like, you know, it's also critical. Voting rights are critical. So let's do something about that. Here, here. Um, right. So anything uh, on, from you from you on that one, Nate? No, just, you know, ditto. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's only so much pressure that we can put on on Mitch McConnell, but it's another reminder that it, it still is, even though it's like sort of like spitting into a, a tornado, uh, it's it's worth calling the office and just registering your, your feelings and saying, you know what, we really need to uh, take care of the debt ceiling and, and honor the debts that you yourself supported just a mere four years ago. Yeah, for sure. That his flip-flop is, is impressive. Uh, and I truly believe, you know, I, uh, Jen Psaki, amazing uh, press secretary for the white house, you know, showed a very clear graph of how much debt U S debt was increased under Trump <laughs> and how much it was increased under Biden. And it was like, Oh, so the Republicans just won't pay for the, all the spending they enabled. That's really what it comes down to. They're dashing and dining and they're all horrible and they think we're idiots. Yeah. Uh, so let's prove them that we're not prove to them that we're not. Let's hold them accountable. Let's make those phone calls. I know it's like spitting into a tornado, but sometimes you just got to get, you know, get wind whipped uh, to uh, go. And they're very polite, a little bit cocky. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, little punks that answer the phone there uh, in Mitch's office, but they're polite enough. Uh, they're not going to yell at you for disagreeing with their boss. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and call them. Um, all right. So we are going to get on to our, our interview, which is super exciting. So that was our hey. news of the week uh, for the week. Uh, and first, before we get to our interview with Kentucky's 2022 Teacher of the Year, I want to remind, remind folks that if you like what you hear on Kernels of Truth, please do consider supporting our efforts with a financial investment. Uh, we have got a goal of raising $1,500 for our current organizing project. Uh, we're still less than 20% of the way there. So if you want to help uh, turn Kentucky purple, uh, we have got just 400 and maybe six days until we have a chance to fire Rand Paul uh, and celebrate at his retirement party. Uh, if you want to help make that possible, please make a donation right now. Go hit us up on Act Blue. It's secure. Uh, it's not tax deductible because it's political uh, activity, but we'd still love to have your support. Uh, so go ahead and make a donation. All right. It doesn't have to be huge. 
anything, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 25 bucks, $5,000, whatever you can do is appreciated. Uh, all right. So we are now going to, though, speak with uh, Willie Carver Jr., uh, who, uh, you know, came to us from one of our uh, our wonderful uh, volunteers who is in Montgomery County and uh, ran across Willie and his great work. Uh, but Willie, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, there in, I mean, I don't know if you're in Montgomery, you work in Montgomery County. Oh, uh, you work awesome in Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. So, uh, you know, Kentucky's uh, AFT affiliate, 120 Strong, has been keeping tabs uh, on educator and school staff uh, deaths. And I believe that our state has now hit uh, 55 tragic losses. Uh, and that seems to me like a really tough time to be a teacher. I mean, you uh, you guys are on the front lines uh, day in and day out. Uh, I know that rural communities have been really hard in this most recent, uh, you know, kind of uh, wave of the tr pandemic. Uh, the Daily Yonder did an amazing story about uh, the the hospital that you know a lot of folks in I think Mount Sterling would use, um, and it you know just really was eye opening to the to what stuff's going on in the, out there. I just want to check in with you. How are things right now? How are you feeling? How are your students doing? Uh, um, what's happening. We'll see. First off, any opinions I express are my own and those of most of my friends. Um, <laughs> second, <laughs> also, the virtual majority of those in education, um, we're we're hanging in there. Um, it is in my 15 years the single hardest time it's ever been. Um, even hearing that the number was 55, I try to keep up with the number uh, to remind students. I think it's really easy for us to. To, to just grow accustomed to this sort of new normal and to forget these are real lives. So the number I've been giving was 50 um, when I remind them, hey, we got to wear the mask. We need to make sure because people, um, real people could um, get sick. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a hard time. It's a dangerous time. I, I think it's never been more politicized to do the sort of basics um, of caring for each other. That part is probably the hardest. Yeah, that seems like a, a really challenging element of this all, right? So why would people's political viewpoints have anything to do with whether we want to care for our neighbor and help, uh, you know, just follow science, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, CDC is not a political agency. It's not a political tool of either White House. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just seems so very odd to me that, you know, uh, that, that has become the issue is like, well, what side of, uh, of this are you on? There's no sides in, you know, a pandemic. Right. Uh, um, so uh, but thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I know it's been rough on teachers, uh, but uh, I, uh, I I guess one additional kind of thing that came up across my radar was we, as we were talking about having you on was, the, you know, the work that you're doing, uh, supporting your students uh, there in Montgomery County. Uh, it's my understanding you uh, helped their efforts to launch the first student gay-straight alliance in mm -hmm. Montgomery County. Uh, what led you to support your students in that way? I cannot imagine. Well, it was a, a popular move necessarily with some parents uh, to kind of encourage kids to be themselves and support each other. You know, I almost wonder to this at this point, what is a popular move with parents? Oh um, you bring up a good point about sort of a question I've, I ask myself a lot nowadays is what is political? What does that word really mean? I think 
traditionally we might mean two viewpoints on how to solve a problem. But now if you have one half the country denying that a problem exists or denying that facts exist, then suddenly reality is politicized. Um, so yeah, it, it, it wasn't popular. I will say um, there was a group in the nineties. So I want to give credit to Miss Dina Amberg. Obviously that you can't do that. You couldn't have done that in the schools then here. Um, I want to give all the credit to the students, all the credit. Um, anything I do as a teacher is about what I would have wanted more of as a student and mostly someone to tell me that my voice mattered, to tell me that I could do anything that I wanted to. Um, and so when the students referenced it, I mean, a part of me was terrified that the day would come. I wasn't tenured at the time um, and I knew it would be a battle. And so when they said, hey, why don't we have a straight, a straight alliance? The first year it was it was a great group, um, Open Light, but we sort of I made it a big group that sort of covered all kinds of different perspectives. We didn't even have the word in the in the name or in, in our description, LGBT, sort of diverse perspectives or something. And the kids called me out on it. One thing that I love about being a teacher and what I love specifically about high school is their sense of justice is dynamic. And so they said to me, I feel like you're erasing us. And it just like cut into my soul. So I said, all right, let's do it. <laughs> let's. Um, let's make this group. And luckily, um, we've mainly, there are the meetings you're going to have as a teacher over anything, but um, the group has soared. Um, I think at, at our highest meeting counts, we have 40, 35 students in those meetings. Um, it's amazing to see the bravery of these kids who are willing to um, and not just have a space, which was what I sort of would have assumed they would have wanted, but um, they spoke pretty passionately this year about education, about wanting to educate other people. They're wanting to meet with the um, various departments at the school and kind of talk to the departments about sort of what they see as challenges. Uh, last year, uh, they invited Eric Marcus, who is the probably nation's um, foremost LGBT historian to come speak at our school. They said, wouldn't it be crazy? And I was like, why would it be crazy? You deserve nice things as much as anyone else. Let's ride him. Let's see if he'll do it. And he agreed. Then COVID <laughs> quarantine, so it didn't get to happen. But um, it's a beautiful and fresh reminder that there's lots of good things happening um, despite a lot of the problems. That's awesome. Uh, you know, thinking about folks who can kind of share a perspective that's valuable with your kids. I, I just fin finished Southernmost. Uh, Silas, we had Silas House on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I'm always so impressed with like TV hosts are like, oh, I just read your book and, you know, I want to refer to it. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> I can do that. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Silas's book and I'm going to read it, you know, and I just, you know, I have, I'm a busy guy. I did not have a chance to read the full book. But once I like really started it, I could not put it down. And I don't know if you've read it, Willie, but it's just, yeah. So, you know, uh, Silas, who, you know, can be quite giving with his time, uh, might be a perspective that you guys should reach out to. Cause, you know, yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, and he, we've been in the talks and some of us uh, went to see a play. I think it was a couple of years ago that he did. Uh, Morehead State University um, put on one of his plays. Um, but, you know, it, to sort of tie these together, I think when I think about what what a perspective is and this idea that, you know, in politics, especially now, there's just two sides. It's just such a narrow binary view to see the world. Uh, I've been working with another teacher at Montgomery County High School, Abby Thomas, and we're really looking at the way we teach writing. I mean, the truth is the 
the standard setup is here is a problem. Here are two solutions. Pick one. And by the time the students get to school, I think they've already heard from their family members which solution they're supposed to have. So we've really been pushing this invent a solution, come up with something that has both sides sort of um, intellectualized, at least whether or not you completely agree or disagree. Um, so, yeah, I, I love introducing new voices because it helps us see things in a way we've never seen them before. And I think that's severely lacking. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's try to not, let's not lock kids into the way their parents view the world. Right. It's not, mm -hmm. a, you know, it's not a binary option. There's lots of color there. It's not black and white necessarily. Although I, you know, strong supporter of science being science uh, and math <laughs> being math. But, uh, but Hey, I want to see if my friend uh, Nate had a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, welcome to the program again and, and congratulations on, on the great honor. Um, I, I wonder if I might ask you a little bit about uh, charter schools. And the reason I ask is that uh, here in, in Frankfurt, our, mm -hmm. our local uh, paper, the State Journal, um, not infrequently uh, runs these op-eds sort of promoting charter schools, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I guess what I was interested in is knowing if, if, you, were, if you were asked to give advice to someone who's going to publish their own editorial in the State Journal about charter schools, <laughs> uh, what would you hope would be communicated to your fellow Kentuckians uh, about charter schools and, and their relationship to public education and, you know, public education resources and Objection, Your Honor. Counsel is uh, leading the witness. <laughs> well, the first thing I would say is, you know, my my any expertise that I even claim to have in education comes from the ground up. Um, my training is in the subjects we study in school, much less so, and probably to a fault of the way we organize education, um, than in terms of sort of systemic and structural uh, concerns. What I do know is this: uh, public schools are severely under-resourced. We can't do what we're asked to do. We couldn't do what we were asked to do three years ago. And now we're being asked to do more than we've ever been asked to do. Um, and we're doing what's research-based. Uh, we're doing what the best science tells us to do. We're looking at studies that help us um, approach questions, questions of difficulties that our students might be facing, questions of curriculum, questions of um, behavior approaches, et cetera. So I think my question always is, what exactly is someone hoping to get if they're wanting to leave public education as we sort of know it? Is there some research I haven't heard of that's supposed to be better, I think is my, my always, always my thinking. What exactly is this, is, is the charter school um, providing that we're not providing. And if it's something that's good, why aren't we? Um, and again, I'm not saying that there aren't nice things that might be happening, but what I do know is when we lose resources for the public um, school, we're lo losing resources that everyone needs, in my opinion. And my thought would always be that. What are you actually gaining? And I think a lot of preliminary research that I've done into the topic tends to be one about which students are sitting beside of which students who you sort of who some parents want their kids to be near or not be near and i don't think that's good for our democracy if we're really just pulling students away from each other if if, if we're hoping to build a society 
That's that's great. Um, just a, a note in the comment: uh, you are an icon, sir. Apparently, uh, you are oh. such an icon. <laughs> is what has been made in the. There we go. Uh, an icon. So Courtney Blocker, uh, I you know I'm I'm excited you know to that, and I don't really I'll be, I'll be honest I don't really know how Teacher of the Year gets selected. My hunch is the ki the kids don't vote. As I th I think probably what happens kids don't vote. How does it happen, sir? What was the process? So, was there a, a swimsuit um, you know competition? Or how did this happen? All right, it, it's the truth of this is sort of embarrassing. I have no idea. Um, I got an email uh, saying you've been nominated for teacher of the year. That process is completely anonymized. So I don't know who nominated me. It tends to be um, either administrators or other colleagues in the system. I'd look at Courtney um, Walker. I you. <laughs> could be that Courtney Walker. Um, and there's a pretty lengthy application with lots of essays and videos. And then you do some sample um, talking and it is almost entirely former Kentucky Teachers of the Year who make the determination of who's going to be uh, the current Teacher of the Year. I think um, they start with a few thousand applications and then from there they get down to a couple of hundred. Um, and then when they get to this top, so again, I didn't know any of this stuff until I won. Uh, when they get to the top 20, they kind of say, um, they send you, you are called a, um, a Kentucky scholar, Kentucky teacher, Babylon scholar. And so I get this email that says I was a Kentucky teacher, Babylon scholar. And I said, we were on our way to on um, vacation. And I said to my husband, what is this? <laughs> and, he said, I don't know. and I said, this is a scam. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I deleted the email. Um, yeah. and don't click it. Don't click it. Uh, and then, then was contacted later. I think there was even a, a, a you need to submit your social in case you win. And I was like, this. Oh, yeah, that this sounds super shady. shady. That sounds yeah. super shady. Yeah. Um, but the, the the people who work at uh, the Kentucky Department of Education, uh, Donna Melton, for example, who, who are over this, are really kind, really um willing to work with the candidates. And so she was reaching out to me personally and going, do you want me to call you? <laughs> so, you know, this is real. Um, so that, that was sort of the process. Uh, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure it was Courtney Blocker that, uh, that nominated you just, I, I have, a, I have a good hunch. On that. <laughs> She's now scanning uh, the universe for new things to nominate you for, uh, which uh, is good. Uh, best live that, cast. Best live cast. <laughs> I, 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 you did have a nomination, so we want to talk to you after the show about some things you could do. But I, what I want to hear is, you know, are the kids all right? Are you know, are you think they're getting through this okay? It, it seems like you just have a lot on your plate. You know, mm -hmm. I got to imagine that people are getting sick that you have to like mm -hmm. step up and step in to be able to cover, uh, you know, cover for folks and things of that nature. So it just seems like they're asking you to do more and more. Uh, the how are th how are you? The kids are okay. Yeah. Um, but they deserve so much more, so much more than we're giving them. And if the kids are okay, comma, there's the, the prequel to this statement. It is because of the teachers. Um, the, the 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 reality of the situation is um, <laughs> when you have absences, you don't have coverage. So you're combining multiple groups into one classroom um when, you know when you've got 35 students say in a given classroom and a given eight of them are out quarantined on a given day or out sick on a given day 
obviously no one's going to be holding that against them. I don't think I can in good conscience require them to do work when they're not in the classroom because I don't know their situations at home. They don't have those resources. And so I'm basically trying to organize for 35 people at once and the people in the room and cover my colleagues who aren't there. Um, it is a lot. Um, and I'm so proud of my profession for the, the way that we've stepped up and try to come up with solutions for these issues. And at the end of the day, there is no way in any profession that quality isn't going to drop when you're pulling people that much. I would love to give feedback to every student every day in writing. I would love to get real quality short answer assessments, but you know, I'm, I'm resorting to multiple choice in situations where I wouldn't have done it before. Um, I wish I, I'm trying to be honest. Um, I wish it weren't. And I think this is one of those times when politicizing education, it, it's, it, it harms the child more than anyone else. Um, you know, the, the teacher in the classroom is frazzled. <laughs> the teacher in the classroom um, is demoralized. Um, the, someone said it really well earlier tonight. Um, that our usual peppy cheerleaders are just browbeaten. Um, and I think that's because we're giving everything we can in those classrooms for a sense of normalcy. Um, but for, for every group out there that tries to politicize us being safe or even when we try to do something, uh, I know, for example, um, a lot of school districts face this similar issue that when the schools closed for a day, um, so that all the teachers could get vaccinated. Um, that was met with lots of complaints in, in some groups that, oh, these special teachers. But th the reality of the situation is your kids need to be safe, is what I want to say to those groups. And, you know, if we have a third of the staff or a fourth of the staff um, that can't make it into the classroom, that creates unsafe scenarios. And so I'm happy with the way the state has stepped up. I'm happy with in, in those particular situations when they were able to give them. Um, but the kids are okay. Um, my question is, is this sustainable? My question is, what is the state going to be doing to make sure this doesn't become the status quo? Because that tends to be what happens. They up our capacity from 26 to 30 and suddenly 30 is the new normal. Then 35 is the new normal. I don't think anyone can expect that we're going to have teachers who are willing to stay, especially teachers who know they can do other things. Um, that's my real concern because I want quality teachers. I want quality educators in the future. Yeah, we need them. You know, our future depends on it. Uh, yeah. Folks like yourself, Willie. So thank you for thank your you. time in the trenches. Thank you for the work you're doing. Congratulations on the honor uh, of being the 2022 Teach Kentucky Teacher of the Year. Uh, and thank you so much for your, for your time uh, with us this evening. All right. Hey, Nate. So we're going to need to cover um, for our friend Kimberly, who... Uh, still is not here <laughs> uh so do you want to do the uh action calendar or the close oh i'll do the close all right i'll do the close right. yeah i'm gonna do the action calendar all right all so right. um there it is you saw it you know the behind the curtain stuff we like to keep from the public <laughs> but uh that's what we're doing all right so this is um really important that we send you out with you know what are you going to do about the news you've heard today? How are you going to take action? Well, we've got a few different things. Progress Kentucky is a member of the Kentucky Voting Rights Coalition, uh, organizations which are working together to ensure that previously incarcerated people reclaim their right to vote uh, and want more citizens across our Commonwealth registered in voting in every election. They have some events coming up. 
uh, to put those goals into action. You can find more about their events online. Uh, tomorrow, actually, there's the Goodwill Fall Festival that's happening in the morning, so 10 to noon. If you want to go table, uh, you can go uh, table for voting rights there at the Goodwill in Lexington. There is a link we will put in the chat. Uh, one additional item, vote forward uh, and send letters to Virginia. I don't know if folks are paying attention. There's a, a couple of uh, governor's races coming up very quickly. One in uh, New Jersey, one in Virginia. Uh, the Virginia one is all about turnout. So that is a really important race and sends a really clear message across the nation. Uh, if the, you know, Trump it's like this, the guy who's running as a Republican is kind of the, you know, offspring of Mitt Romney and Donald Trump, right? He's just like a private investment banker guy with a ton of money, uh, Bain Capital type, and then also says a lot of Trumpy stuff because he's trying to court the Trump base. So really not a, not a great guy. Uh, Terry McAuliffe is the, the, the Democratic nominee. Uh, and a lot of people are watching this race as a precursor to, of course, the midterm. So uh, we worked with Vote Forward uh, for the Georgia Senate runoff races, and that worked. Uh, they turned out a ton of voters through their handwritten letters from a voter to a voter. Uh, if you would like to help out, if you could send five letters by October 16th, uh, which gives you some time. Uh, you can, you know, next week while you're watching Kernels of Truth, you can write out some letters. Uh, sign up online, vote for vote fwd.org. All right. Uh, and then this is an issue a little closer to home, fair maps. Uh, you guys remember we had the League of Women Voters on to help uh, inform the redistricting process through a transparent electoral district mapping project. They're doing a series of virtual town halls to explain their maps and the redistricting process. Uh, Thursday, October 14th, they've got a Frankfurt-focused town hall that's 7 to 8.30. That will be virtual. Uh, Monday, October 18th, a Louisville-focused one, virtual, 6 to 7.30. Uh, there is an in-person option, I guess, at that one, 5.30 to 7.30, uh, with the program beginning at 6. Uh, that's at Lang House, one, uh, 115 South Ewing uh, Avenue in Louisville. On Thursday, October 21st in Lexington, uh, a Lexington-focused virtual town hall from 7 to 8.30. Tuesday, November 2nd, Northern Kentucky, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, virtual. Uh, so for form registration, for more information and updates, please visit LWV, League of Women Voters, ky.org, or email info at uh, lwvky.org. Uh, these links will all be in the chat. They'll also show up in the run of show, the show notes, so you can go find them at your leisure. They will be up and live, uh, well, by tomorrow morning. I need to get some sleep after this. Anyway, uh, the Kentucky Democratic Party has launched Ready to Run, which is a new training program for prospective candidates and staff envisioned to provide the building blocks to win Democratic campaigns right here in Kentucky. If you want to learn how to be a campaign staff, you want to learn how to be an effective candidate, uh, there's a, uh, a, a November 13th or 14th, they're going to do a training session in Louisville uh, that may or may not be virtual. But to apply, head to the kydemocrats.org uh, website uh, and find out about it. Finally, uh, and I'm hopeful, I am very hopeful that this is the last mention of this action alert. Uh, we <laughs> launched a petition to urge the Kentucky Board of Medical Licensure to investigate the unethical and dangerous medical advice stemming from Dr. Rand conspiracy theory. Paul, we are so, so close to our signature goal, 500 uh, signatures. So please go sign right now, uh, bit.ly slash investigate Dr. Paul. 
there's capitalization of investigate and D for doctor and P for Paul. Uh, go ahead and click through. And if you've signed it already, share it. If you've shared it already, share it again. Uh, if you don't want everyone to know your politics, you want to share it on your Facebook page or Twitter feed, direct message the people you know share your politics. Email your friends that you know are sick of Rand Paul's lies about COVID. Uh, we need to get to 500 signatures and we can send this on in as an official grievance. Uh, there's been some news that they don't want to, uh, to go after Rand Paul. We need to put some pressure on him. We've got a few different ideas of how we're going to do it, but this petition is the number one reason, uh, number one way. So make sure that help us get to 500 signatures, please. And that is our action events calendar. We need some music for that too. Action events, action events. Well, only we had someone who could, uh, could (laughs) write music. <laughs> Don't host it on my own petard. <laughs> so, hey, folks, uh, just before you go away, next week here on Kernels of Truth, we are so excited to be joined by May Suramek, the Democratic nominee for there she is for the 89th district in uh, next month's special election. Uh, what is the 89th district? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's parts of Madison and Laurel counties and all of Jackson County. Uh, May's got an awesome track record of community service and impressive success as a community-focused small business owner down in Berea, wonderful city. Uh, She has been endorsed by KFTC. So please, please, please tune in next week, uh, next Wednesday at 7, right here on Kernels of Truth to hear from May and hear why she's running to represent the 89th and maybe what we can all do to help her. A little bit about us. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State, organized as a 501c4, uh, affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, that's known as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement, hence the signs and everything we ask you to do. Some graphic content uh, was provided by Couchfire Media. Couchfire ignites multi-camera live stream educational and commercial video production content. More information can be found at couchfiremedia.com. Production this evening was by Annabelle Nagel, woo! Our own social media chair. Thank you so much for volunteering to help get our live stream out to the people. Annabelle, you've done a great job. Uh, and. Uh, uh, she is normally here every week, Kimberly Jones, uh, but uh, uh, still, it makes sense to to promote the Jones Report. It's Kimberly's weekly live national local news talk and conversation show. That's everything. It occurs every Sunday at 7 p.m. right here on Facebook, amongst other places, uh, co-hosted by Mike Breuer, Betsy Foster, and of course, Kimberly Cecil Jones. Oops, I, I dropped a surname a little earlier there. Uh, the Jones Report radio program can be found on Facebook where at The Jones Report Radio, all one word, The Jones Report Radio. Go, you will have a good time. Uh, I guess I should also plug myself for the theme song, and you can find my website at natosongs.com. It's N-A-T-O-S-O-N-G-S.com. And, uh, you know, if you, miss, if you miss our weekly live stream here on Facebook, don't worry. You can always rewatch shows and see our source links either on Facebook or on YouTube. So uh, get some good content from those sources for a change. <laughs> or if you'd prefer not to see me or Kimberly or Aaron, you know, we do audio podcasts too. And our podcasts are available on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, and 
wherever else you get your podcasts. So that's it for uh, October 6th, 2021, Kernels of Truth. Thank you all for uh, supporting us and getting some good progressive vibes here in the bluegrass. See you next week. Mwah.